This week in KMA Land, public meetings set on Shenandoah Hills Wind Project. Page County officials say no to county jail closing study. Montgomery County Courthouse suffers wind damage. Former Silver City clerk faces criminal charges. And Memorial Day ceremonies held in Shenandoah. Plus our special preview of Tuesday's Iowa primary races. I'm Mike Peterson. Plans for a public meeting on a proposed wind project south of Shenandoah were announced this week. Energy Representative Mark Crawl told the Page County Board of Supervisors Tuesday a meeting regarding the Shenandoah Hills Wind Farm takes place Monday, June 13th at 7 p.m. at the Waterfalls Wedding Venue in Farragut. Straddling the Page-Fremont County line south of Shenandoah and extending to the Iowa-Missouri border, the project entails at least 28 turbines in Page County alone. Crosses the meeting was set after residents voiced concerns about the project during previous public comment periods, including on Tuesday. Everything that was included uh, in our application and also bring in a bunch of subject matter experts that can answer a lot of detailed questions as well. Um, so really have that set up as a time there on the 13th for people to, to voice concerns, to get answers, uh, and, and have us give an opportunity to be able to to dive into all the details of the application that, that we put forward. Additionally, Crowell suggested the supervisors vote on the project at its June 14th meeting. County Engineer J.D. King, who received the permit application in early March, presented the signed project to the board earlier this week. Previous discussions indicated the county would hold its own public meeting. However, Supervisors Chair Alan Armstrong says he feels there has been an ample time for public input and it may never be possible for everyone to agree on the matter. I would welcome them to give a call to anybody they want. Um, We've had plenty of public comment time. We've had plenty of meetings. We've been discussing this, I believe, since the 2018 in our board meetings. Uh, We've heard from a lot of different people. Uh, We've done a lot of research. Um, Goes back to when John Herzberg was on the board. And will will this ever make everyone happy? No. Armstrong also questioned whether the board had explicitly mentioned hosting a public meeting. However, Supervisor Jacob Holmes says he believes the board should follow through on previous comments of taking a thorough look at the plans, ones that had been placed in front of them, and says two weeks isn't long enough. I don't think waiting a month, a big deal, two more weeks isn't going to solve anything. I think at least it should be a month, four weeks, to have time to make sure, especially why nobody else, but people live out there, like me, they are busier and all get out right now, trying to put the crop in and make hay and think about other things. They can't think about anything else. This is well, for good too. This is this is a big deal here. Uh, this isn't some temporary little one-year decision. Holmes also disagreed with the idea that the public meeting hosted by Invenergy should qualify as the previously discussed public meeting intended to be held on the county. In line with concerns uh, citizens raised during the meeting's public comment period, Holmes says he would like to see more information on the environmental studies conducted by Invenergy. I would like to have all environmental study you did on what is in Page County. Fremont County is separate, that's fine. But what is in Page County as I sit here trying to represent that? I would like to have what data you got from the environmental study to complete what you found. Because I've got people have documented all kinds of stuff, sent it to me and people. So I want to see if they match, see what makes sense or not. I'd like to look at that. Board members took no formal action on a separate public meeting for the proposed wind energy project. However, Krause's Invenergy's meeting isn't just for affected landowners, and anyone is welcome to attend. In addition to wind turbines, the future of Page County's jail is another hot topic of local discussion lately. 
but Page County officials won't seek the assistance of an architectural firm to determine the costs of losing the current county jail. At that same meeting Tuesday, the supervisors opted not to pursue a $5,000 study with the Samuels Group on the potential costs of closing the current jail. Greg Wild is a business development manager with the Samuels Group. Wild says the study would examine several areas. We'll look at um, the, the detailed uh, items in terms of hard costs, but we'll also look at some of those hidden costs of uh, potential liability, insurance risk, what would happen without the uh, <laughs> facility down the street. Um, we'll also look at um, things that we'll consider public safety as well as staffs. Ultimately, Wild says the study would cover approximately 15 different focal points. At a previous meeting, Supervisor Chuck Morris expressed concerns about additional pressure from state officials to close the jail if they don't continue to move forward on the process for a new facility. However, Supervisor Jacob Holmes says the cost of the study might not be necessary given what the county has looked for. We don't need it to be within $10. We just need to know generally how much risk are we exposed to. There can be some flex there. It's just a, I don't know that I want to spend $5,000 to get a general estimate. I think we could almost come up with one if we all just sat down and worked it out. And I really thought that would come against 25000 I can't. So you're saying that's extra. Well, it'd be 30 if we could go forward. Like after we make our estimate, we decide to go forward, then we'd be spending 30000 then. I don't like the idea of that at all. Morris concurred with Holmes that the county should formulate its estimate. However, he says the cost is one factor the board must consider as the county moves into the schematic and design phase. When you move forward with producing the plans and the architectural specs, when you have your meetings, you talk about what, okay, here's what it's going to cost to build one. Here are the projected costs of not building one. I mean, that's part of that. Even though it's not quite as in-depth, that's part of the strategy when you when you move forward on the $25,000 study. Morris Alvarez says with the county pursuing a new jail, the time frame before the state could get involved should be longer. Though no formal action was taken to reject the Samuels Group proposal, no motion was made for approval. Holmes says he will coordinate a meeting with the board, County Sheriff Lyle Palmer, and County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen to hash out a total. Montgomery County's courthouse has taken a hit from recent high winds. County officials say strong, gusty winds Memorial Day tore pieces of the cupola in the center portion of the courthouse's roof onto the ground. Montgomery County Emergency Management Coordinator Brian Hammond tells KMA News the latest damage is in addition to that sustained during windy conditions earlier this month. We had a couple pieces of that cupola fall off, and yesterday, mid-afternoon, and the height of the wind, we did lose several additional pieces off that cupola. Um, unfortunately, when they did fall, they um, did strike a parked car along the roadway, causing some minor damage. Hammond says the cost estimate of the damage is not yet available. I do know that the county is working with the contractor as well as the county's insurance carrier to remedy this as soon as possible. But unfortunately, it's a very complex issue. Um, It's not like our own homes where we can just climb up. It's going to take a crane. It's going to take a specialized crew as well as any other special equipment that they may need to get to it. Despite the damage, Hammond says the courthouse remains open for business, but officials are wary of more damage from future severe storms. Officials say plans for repairing the damage as well as any associated building or road closures will be released to the public once they're finalized.
Charges are filed this week against a former Silver City employee accused of improper uses of city funds. The Mills County Sheriff's Office's former Silver City clerk, Artema Gray, was taken into custody Monday. Authorities say Gray faces several charges, including ongoing criminal conduct, a Class B felony, first-degree fraudulent practice, first-degree theft and identity theft, fraudulent use of credit cards, all Class C felonies. The arrest follows a report from the state auditor's office revealing just over $61,000 of improper disbursements and other mishandlings. In a recent interview with KMA News, State Auditor Rob Sands said the report was a multi-year process working with local authorities. We dug in uh, and reviewed lots and lots of paperwork. For This is about a, a city of about 250 people. Lots and lots of paperwork over, of course, a few years, uh, credit card statements, bank statements, that kind of thing, to just see where all the money was going. And as it turns out, an awful lot of it was going for her personal expenses. According to the report of those improper disbursements, over $42,000 included personal purchases made to the city's credit card, roughly $10,800 of unauthorized payroll issued by Gray, and $545 to Gray's personal CenturyLink bills. Also at the time of the investigation, Sands says the city had also not implemented checks and balances, policies, or procedures recommended in a report from May 2018. If you have somebody who has too much power, then they can abuse that power. And so we always recommend that they uh, segregate duties so that different people are involved in different parts of handling money and uh, things like that that essentially take away the opportunity for people uh, to commit acts of embezzlement. Of the unsupported disbursements, Sands report identified more than $2,600 of purchases made for the city's credit card and more than $260 of reimbursements issued to Gray. Sands is utilizing taxpayer dollars for personal expenses is still an all-too-common finding and says the current trend is frustrating. Anyone with information is requested to contact the Mills County Sheriff's Office. Shenandoah residents pause Monday to remember all who gave some and some who gave all. Shenandoah High School's Marching Mustangs, under the direction of Dale Richard, performing the U.S. Marine Corps theme near the end of Memorial Day services at the Rose Hill Cemetery. As scores of American flags fluttered amid high winds, speakers paid tribute to Americans who perished in previous wars in the defense of the country, including 20 area veterans who died since last Memorial Day, whose names were read during the ceremony. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen served as this year's keynote speaker. McQueen tells KMA News he was honored to follow in the footsteps of past Memorial Day speakers. I've been coming up here for 20 plus years with the Elks for the flag part of it and we've had a lot of great keynote speakers through the years and so to me it was a great honor to follow some of them, Marlon Tillman, uh, the past mayors and so forth. So yeah, I was very honored when they called and asked me. McQueen says his main message was to stress the importance of honoring the nation's war dead on Memorial Day. We have to remember patriotism. We have to remember why we have Memorial Day. You know, it's just not another day off. Sure, that it's time for relaxation and so forth, but there's also times that we have to remember that we're living in a country that has the freedoms that so many would just love to have, and it's because of the ones we're honoring today. So that was my message. I, I, I hope to portray anyway. In addition to the traditional laying of wreaths at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier by representatives of various service groups, and the firing of a three-volley salute from Shenandoah's American Legion Post 88 Color Guard, this year's ceremony featured a special guest participant. (laughs) 
Jeff Franzine, a 1972 Shenandoah High School graduate and former drum major, returned home to play taps. Franzine says the Memorial Day homecoming was special. I moved away from Shenandoah in 1985, and uh, I get down here a lot, but I've just never been back for a Memorial Day service, and this all came together, and this, I'm just so honored and, and happy to be able to do this. Today. Franzine expressed one misgiving about the service. My only regret today is that our band director at the time, Dr. Robert Creighton, is not here to see this and know that one of his students is still playing a horn, and more importantly, playing it for veterans, because Dr. Creighton was a Marine, and he's very proud of his heritage that way, too. Time now on This Week in KMA Land for our special preview of Tuesday's Iowa primary. Suffice to say, there's a lot riding on a red-hot supervisor's race in Page County, including the future of wind energy projects and a proposed jail project. Incumbent Alan Armstrong faces challenger Todd Maher, the race for Page County's 2nd District Supervisor's Republican nomination. Both candidates were among those interviewed in our recent Meet the Candidates series of interviews on KMA's Morning Line program. Elected to his first full term in November 2018, Armstrong now seeks another four-year stint on the county boardroom. Armstrong says he's running for re-election because of present and pending projects. One, of course, is the Shenandoah Hills Wind Project. That's a very active issue in the county right now. And then probably the next item that's on the burner right now, and we're trying to get the ball rolling, is the new jail project. Whether or not we need a new jail, whether or not we're going to build a new jail, and all those things. And I feel that it's important to have a lot of background in these items and I want to be continue to be involved in that, and that's probably the biggest reason I decided I want to stay on for another four years. Mayer is a 25-year employee at Shenandoah's Pella Corporation plant, where he currently serves as a continuous improvement technician specializing in cost savings and efficiencies. He also served various positions with the Shenandoah Volunteer Fire Department for the past 19 years, most recently as captain. Mayher says he believes he could bring his Pella experience to work for the county in terms of saving money. I would say my skill set is that I'm bringing a lot of looking at waste, how to drive waste out of processes and learning to be more efficient. And if you think about the environment that we're in right now, it's uh, very crucial that we're, we're not doing any wasteful spending. And we really think and calculate where we're spending our tax dollars and how to get the most out of our tax dollars. Page County isn't the only place for interesting county office races. Four candidates seek two nominations on the Fremont County Board of Supervisors Republican ticket in Tuesday's primary. Incumbent Dustin Sheldon joined the supervisors in January 2019 following his election two months earlier. Two months later, he and other officials faced an event that, in his words, changed all the rules, the epic Missouri River floods of 2019. Sheldon says he's running for another term as county supervisor to help continue the recovery effort. You know, I think we did a really good job trying to, to get the county back to the position that was in pre-flood condition, whether it be financially, you know, physically through getting people, you know, uh, relocated into homes and so on and so forth. And I'd just like to continue on through and, and, and see some of these programs and, and, and things like that out and, and, you know, really get back to what we would say a normal term. <laughs> 
would be if there is such a thing as a normal term. One opponent, Rodney Burge, previously ran for a supervisor's position four years ago, but finished third in the GOP primary and third again as an independent candidate in November 2018. Four years later, Burge says public demand motivated him to make another try. My wife said maybe Fremont County's ready for a full-time supervisor, somebody who's not got irons in the fire. You know, they're not trying to farm. You know, they're not trying to do everything for themselves and then puts the county stuff on the back burner or it gets moved to the back burner because they've got to take care of their stuff first. So we kicked it around a little bit and we're going to be able to do that. So if if elected, you know, Fremont County is going to have a full-time supervisor again. Terry Graham previously served as a supervisor from 2017 to 2020. Currently self-employed, Graham says he became involved with organizations such as the Southwest Iowa Planning Council and the Shenandoah Chambered Industry Association. Graham says he wants to rejoin the board to address some of the issues identified with those affiliations. When I got off the board in 2020, I was still active with those agencies. And one of the things that we really identified was that we need housing in Fremont County to move forward to increase business and stuff like that. We need viable housing to make everything work. Clint Blackburn is a newcomer to the race. Born and raised in Tabor and a 1998 Fremont Mills High School graduate, Blackburn has been an electrician in the area for more than 20 years. Blackburn says he was approached by a number of residents to run for the supervisor's spot up for a vote. If elected, he says he would add value to the board. I don't come with a preconceived agenda. You know, this is something that I want to get pushed through or whatnot for the county. I'm kind of a clean slate. I have no agenda. I'm not really the, the biggest political person. I'm just kind of a common sense, practical guy that's not afraid to ask the tough questions and get to the bottom of what some issues are. Another big supervisor's race is in Montgomery County, where incumbent Mark Peterson faces a re-election challenge from George Bruce for the 4th District Supervisor's GOP nomination. Seeking his third term in the county boardroom, Peterson says his experience with county government runs beyond his election in 2014. It all started with a friend of his. Uh friend Glenn Benskin was a supervisor, and he became physically unable to drive to the meeting, so... I took him to the meetings, and I'm not going to say that I sat in on every one that I took him to, but I think there was a year and a half period of time before I was a supervisor that I did sit in on a lot of their meetings. And then once I made the decision to run, I attended, I believe, every single Tuesday meeting from there until the November election when I was officially elected and and then sworn in shortly thereafter as a supervisor. Bruce previously worked for 16 years at Romac, then farmed for 12 years before his current employment with UFC United Farmers Cooperative. Bruce's family members urged him to run for the supervisor's spot because of dissatisfaction with certain issues. I've lived out here quite a while in the country here, about 22 years, and I've had issues, and I really ain't got very good answers when I've called about them, so I thought, well, maybe i just get involved with it and see exactly what is going on. You don't know unless you get right in there. In Mills County, incumbent Richard Crouch takes on Sandy Winton for the county supervisor's Republican nomination. Now seeking his sixth term as a supervisor, Crouch says he enjoys his involvement in county government because of the challenge the job presents. I like the challenge of helping the people and seeing that the county is driven in the right direction to uh, keep improving it. We have a lot of rural housing development and stuff. Uh, We're going to have to develop some rural water areas for the simple reason of fire protection. We don't have the capability of hauling water 
instantly. So there's a lot of issues that need to be faced. After moving to Bells County, Winton worked with Glenwood Chamber of Commerce, co-chaired the Glenwood Ragbride Committee in 2011, and served on a flood recovery committee focusing on housing issues. Winton says she's running for supervisor because she has a servant's heart and enjoys working with the community. I think it's time to take that next step in the leadership role and and try to see what else I can do for the county. I love to problem solve, and if I see a problem, I love to try to fix it. And if somebody comes to me with an issue, I don't want to say, yeah, that's a problem, but there's nothing we can do about it. I want to see what we can do about it. Not all of the election action is in county government. Several legislative seats are up for a vote, including the Iowa House's 17th district spot vacated by longtime State Representative Cecil Dolichenk's retirement. Two candidates seek the district's Republican nomination. A 2013 Shenandoah High School graduate, Devin Wood, also graduated from Simpson College, where she served as chair of the Iowa Federation of College Republicans and chair of the Simpson College Republicans and clerked in the Iowa House for former State Representatives Clell Bodler and Marianne Hunusa, who is now running for state auditor. Wood says she decided to run for the seat vacated by Cecil Dolichek's retirement because she believes she can put her legislative clerk and agriculture experience to use at the State House. I don't think that you can take for granted growing up on a farm, growing up in the small town communities and really living right here in the area and knowing those people, knowing what they face. You know, like I said, I've grown up on the family farm and we owned a business. And so I understand what our business community folks are are going through when it comes to uh, certain legislation and, and bills and regulations. And I also understand what our agriculture folks are going through. Paul Dykstra served as a Republican State Central Committee member as well as a County Committee Chair. He also served as a four-year term on the Ringgold County Board of Supervisors and is director of the Iowa Prayer Caucus, and he chairs Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds' prayer team. Dykstra says he was approached to run for the seat vacated by Cecil Dolacek's retirement. Taxes are among his concerns. Though he supports the flat tax rate proposal for income taxes passed in this year's legislative session, Dykstra expresses concern about the impact of further tax reductions on county and municipal government. You live here in southern Iowa, you know how tight county budgets are. We've been making silk purse out of sow's ears for years. And uh, you know with the increase now of inflation, the cost of county and state government is huge with a 50% increase in fuel cost. And uh, it just it adds to the law enforcement budget, adds to secondary roads, adds to the state, the highway patrol, everybody that travels on fuel. So it's a it's a big concern. We just have to be careful on uh, a balanced approach that affects all citizens equally when it comes to taxes. On the congressional level, three candidates vie for Iowa's third congressional district's Republican nomination and the right to take on Democrat incumbent Cindy Axney in November. A Southeast Polk High School graduate, Zach Nunn, served in the Iowa House Representatives from 2015 to 2019 and is now a member of the Iowa Senate. Nunn says the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan last year solidified his choice to run for federal office. When the Biden administration pulled out of Afghanistan after multiple tours there, they left behind uh, thousands of Americans and allies who had served with us. And so I was very hurt by the way that America has never left a man behind and not worked hard to try and save them. So we put together a private rescue mission. We flew multiple flights over and uh, ferried out over uh, 2,500 Americans 
and allies after the U.S. flag fell in Kabul. A resident of Blakesburg in Wapalo County, Gary Leffler has worked in the financial services industry for 25 years and was a construction consultant. He also owned and operated a farm. Leffler says he decided to run for Congress shortly after Axney was elected. I just thought that there was a total disconnect between our current congressman and the people of Iowa's 3rd Congressional District. And then you, you, you just look at different issues and you say, you know what, I can stand on the sidelines and complain or gripe, or I can say, you know what, people in the Iowa's 3rd Congressional District, put a uniform on me, get me in the game, and let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to work. Born and raised in the south side of Chicago, Nicole Hassel moved to Iowa to attend Drake University and married her husband. She spent the last 14 years working in the financial services industry. Hasso says she first became interested in a run for Congress while attending a committee hearing at the state capitol over the teaching of controversial material in schools. Being a mom of two, and I know how important education is and how we need to make sure that we're teaching our kids the truth. We need to teach them the whole history, and we need to teach them about reading, (laughs) arithmetic, science, uh, so all the basics so to prepare to prepare prepare them for the next stage in life in addition three candidates are running for the democratic nomination for the US Senate seat currently held by Chuck Grassley including former Iowa congresswoman Abby Finkenauer retired admiral Michael Franken and Minden area physician Dr Glenn Hurst a reminder, KMA News will have results on these races and others on election night in KMA land, the Iowa primary, Tuesday evening after Kansas City Royals baseball on KMA AM 960 and FM 99.1. That wraps up this week in KMA land. For the entire KMA News team, I'm Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.